This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. This is Knowledge at Wharton, and you're listening to Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. A couple of years ago, Campbell's Soup Company, one of the iconic brands in the United States over the last several decades, tried to change some of its menu options to fit the switch to more healthy eating lifestyles. This was the idea of then-CEO Denise Morrison when she took over back in 2011. Campbell's Soup made strategic acquisitions as well and adding new products. The line had a great of success, but the last two years had seen sales and the company's share price sink. Meanwhile, its namesake Soup also saw sales declines in about a year that Morrison was in everyone but one year that Morrison was running the company. Now Morrison has retired slash resigned, but she is no longer running the New Jersey-based company. To take a look at the path of Campbell's Soup, we are joined here in studio by Jason Reese, who is a marketing lecturer here at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. And we're also joined on the phone by Eric Gordon of the University of Michigan, where he is a business professor there. As always, Jason, great to see you. Thanks great for coming you, in. Dan. Thank you. Eric, great to have you back with us. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, Dan. Uh, give us your sense of Campbell Soup right now, Eric, because, I mean, as I said, this is a brand that is has its own kind of legacy in the United States. Uh, it has tried to kind of adjust to what the the needs of the consumer seemingly are right now, but... Now you have this CEO switch, and it makes a lot of people wonder, and the share price has showed it the last uh, several days, You know what kind of is the path of Campbell's Soup moving forward? Nobody knows, and that, that kind of uncertainty leads to the stock price drop. You know, there's no other big news. It's, uh, it's a company, it's a really interesting company, because, you know, uh, uh, Morning Consult did uh, a survey. Campbell's Soup is still the sixth most loved brand in America, but they can't seem to make any money. Um, you know, profits are, profits have sort of not done well. Um, there, they had the right ideas with some of uh, Denise's uh, acquisitions, couldn't execute. But sitting here today, nobody knows what the company's going to do. And the interim CEO says, well, everything's on the table. Jason, I, I, I don't know what to make of this. I mean, from your perspective, and you deal with on the food side of, of it a lot. I mean, we're talking about the switches that seemingly a lot of food companies are making these days. Yet maybe the iconic brand that Campbell's Soup is kind of played against that. Yeah, in some ways it did, and I think I think Eric may have been quoted in the article he he mentioned there. Eric, sorry if I if I misread that, but I th- I think part of the story there on the brand is that it's not quite as strong among millennials uh, as it is among Gen Xers and baby boomers. So that part may not be a surprise, um, as that younger generation is is buying more and more. Uh, food and food for their for their growing families. Yeah. But as you said, Dan, um, the company has tried to respond to that preferences that that generation seems to have for knowing where its ingredients come from, uh, looking for more fresh foods. Uh, and they ran into both executional and possibly strategy problems as well in, in trying to make that switch. So what do you think then is kind of the idea that they need to consider? Because as, as was mentioned, seemingly right now, all options are on the table. They're talking, I've seen a couple of stories that have said, you know, whether or not Campbell Soup will be a, a target of an acquisition 
by a company, whether or not it will try and go out and, and make different changes? Will it go back to you know kind of what it, its bread and butter has been over the last several decades and really focus on the soup itself? I, I mean, there's a variety of different ways, Jason, that seemingly they could go. Yeah, I mean, the brand will certainly be around for some time. Uh, there's still plenty of consumers who care about it and, and love it. Um, but getting a strategy right with the new generation of, con- of food consumers is difficult because that consumer very often cares about things like GMO, uh, has a preference for many of those consumers have preferences for non-GMO. And if you're looking to improve the health of your consumers, that's not a terribly promising direction to go. Um, GMO foods are not shown to be any less healthful than the non-GMO ones, and yet consumers still crave it. So to what extent do you go after a consumer who's both potentially a moving target and a a target that's not even tracking the right things for what they supposedly care about, which is downstream health. Eric? Yeah, so I think think Campbell's needs to do two things. One, um, they need to get what Jason's described right. And, you know, they've taken some steps. So I'm, I'm sitting here at my desk looking at a can of soup called Well, Yes. It's soup that I like. It's black bean with red quinoa. It's the kind of spicy flavors that the younger people like. It says on the can, non-GMO, no preservatives, 11 grams of fiber. They have to execute that piece of their strategy right. They've had just a lot of operational screw-ups. The other thing they have to do is get their main brands, the red and white labels, the, the, the stuff that's full of high fructose corn syrup and stuff that young people hate, doesn't seem to bother old people quite so much. They need to get that executed correctly because that business is getting eaten alive by cheaper brands, store brands, non-labeled brands. Um, So, you know, the the older people who like the red and white cans, they also like to save money. So Campbell's has to get it right with the younger people, its future. They also have to get it right with the people that still are the sort of its bread and butter and the bulk of its sales. So far, it's getting it wrong with everybody. You know, it's it's interesting you mentioned that. Just thinking to my personal experience with, with myself and my kids, uh, at my house right now, I have a couple of cans of soup, obviously, coming off the winter. You know, you like to have that. And, and the brands that we have, Eric, are store brands. But I'm thinking back to the can itself. And even the marketing of these other companies is kind of leaning itself to, to trying to take a piece of Campbell's Soup's uh, you know, uh, piece that they still have in that area because those cans from the store brand are red and white as well to a version. So, uh, I mean, it, even though that brand has taken a hit, it still has a lot of holding power, it feels like. Yeah, you know, and that's that red and white imitation can is a classic store brand thing. In fact, um, I think Jason knows a lot about this. Um, uh, generic makers have claimed that uh, they should have the right to imitate the colors of the brands so that people will know that it's soup. Um, but, you know, Campbell's has made a lot of mistakes <laughs> there. Um, they, they got into a battle uh, for a while with Walmart. About 20% yeah. of their sales run through Walmart. Well, you know, the last thing you want to do is get into a fight with them. That really helped shift sales away from Campbell's that might or might not come back. Jason? Yeah, and it's, it's tough in the changing retail climate. When you lose one of those big retail battles, um, you know, you're at risk on so many other fronts as well. Amazon taking a bigger part of the of the food 
market share. Um, you've got the meal kits coming in, yeah. and they're having to be very aggressive about pricing too. They did an awful lot to to get consumers. They had, they had very acquisition heavy strategies, and and that's been difficult for those meal kit preparers. They're not keeping their customers, and that's just that price point may be too high, so they're going to have to lower the price point again. And it's it's just another front that. Campbell has to face and and they've tried. I mean they've they've done soup delivery, they've yep. done different formats with their soup. They have soup uh, that can be used as a snack. Yep. It can be consumed as a snack because the snacking category is growing. They've bought a large snack company. Um, so there's no shortage of of good strategic ideas, but I mean as Eric has said a couple times, the execution um, is what turns out to be extremely difficult. So uh, going back a couple of weeks, there was a you know, rather uh, memorable video of Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary, standing and, and talking about a variety of different things surrounding the trade issue. And one of the things he held up was a can of Campbell's soup. And it almost made me think while we were sitting here talking about uh, more and more companies in terms of the delivery of the soup, when you go buy it in the store, it's not necessarily the can as much, but it's the packaging that is something that can be recyclable or, you know, that that it isn't the can. And I'm wondering if, if you can even make a simple change like that. And I guess to a degree, Campbell's has done that with other parts of their brands. But that traditional old styles Campbell soup that comes in the can all the time, making a simple change like that, Jason, to be able to maybe stir a new mindset for the consumer today. Yeah, potentially. I mean, consumers certainly do care about environmental sustainability and talk about it in a way that they didn't used to. I don't have the impression that Campbell's has been behind the industry on that front. I guess you could argue that they have a particular challenge because their iconic product does come in a tin. Um, but again, that seems something that ought to be manageable. So, that, I mean, this may just be a story of having so many battles to fight and yeah not quite managing to win enough of them. What about building out, Eric? What about building out other partnerships? You mentioned Walmart and, and the issues that they had with them. Uh, just making sure that, that you're providing the right products, but getting them in the right locations as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think as you see consolidation and the distribution end, you see giants like Walmart, Kroger, it's, you know, it's it's sort of Mass marketing 101, that you, you have to keep those relationships right. You, you have to have the right shelf space. You have to have the right promotional coordination, or else you're, you're really dead. I mean, I, I think the, the future of soup as a direct-to-consumer delivery item is, is, is kind of small. I, I don't see that as being you know, a mass market for them. Yeah, I agree with Jason that on the packaging thing, uh, um, you know, Campbell's Soup has has done it in boxes. They've done aseptic. There, there's a weird thing about cans, though. Um, I I think of them as I think of them as old fashioned. It turns out I didn't know this. I I had to read this that the canning process actually could be pretty good. You can preserve things via the canning process without preservatives. And I should have known that because my my mom canned when I was a kid and she yeah. didn't put anything in it other than other than the stuff out of our garden. Um, it turns out you can have stuff in cans that are very healthy. doesn't have to be high fructose corn syrup and monosodium glutamate and disodium disulfide. I don't, you know, I don't even know what this stuff is. You, you, you don't need that. It's just that's a cheap way of, of, of zipping up the flavor. So, you know, the, the cans, I guess, perceptually, you know, in an environmental thing are bad, but, you know, not necessarily totally bad. 
And, you know, I, I think Jason brought up an interesting thing. I, I don't know if the can is even key to the brand. I think the red and white label is key. Yeah. Uh, I think red and white aseptic packaging, you know, cardboard packaging, recyclable stuff, would work just fine. We are joined here in studio by Jason Reese of the Wharton School on the phone with Eric Gordon of the University of Michigan. We're talking about some of the issues surrounding Campbell's Soup. They are uh, uh, they are going to be hiring a new CEO. Uh, they have an interim CEO right now, uh, but some of the issues that they have been dealing with. Your comments welcome at eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter either at BizRadio one eleven or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney twenty one. Certainly, Eric. I, I mean, when a company goes through something like this and they're going to have to hire a new CEO, they want to make sure that they get the right person and make sure that they get uh, that person that has maybe a little background in the industry. How important is this move, though, to hire the right CEO in this spot with all of the other things that are going on for Campbell's right now? Yeah, I think I think all of the other things going on makes the right CEO even more important. Because if you had a company where things were basically running pretty well, then the CEO succession thing is, is relatively easy. You have an easy time attracting somebody. You're not worried about what they will do in the first 90 days or the first 180 days. But when you have a company that's in this kind of trouble, um, you do worry about what they'll do in the first 180 days. And if you are the the headhunter looking for that person, you have to convince the person that this new job, that being the CEO of Campbell's, could cap your career, not end your career. Jason? Yeah, I, I mean, I suppose there would be a risk of doing something too drastic. The, you know, I mean, one thing we might think about is what what are they what are they going to do with their soup category, which yeah. is the, the the biggest and most important one, most historical one for them, and it's a funny category. I saw some indication that soup consumption is on the decline, which is really too bad. Um, because for the things that consumers care about, it has a lot of great opportunity. Um, so one of the biggest consumer, possibly the biggest consumer concern with respect to health and eating is weight loss. And there, soup is great because calories per volume, by volume, it tends to be yeah. relatively low. So it has it, it's very satiating for the calories that you get. Um, and there have been occasional efforts to to push it as a, as a weight loss or weight management product. Um, but I've never really seen that take off. But there is still that latent opportunity in this category um, to fit the health objectives that consumers have, as well as, of course, the taste objectives that they have. Um, so I think a, a strong move away from that would be something that you'd worry about from a CEO. I don't see that happening, but that yeah. would be one concern. But the, the the other part to it is is there is an element of of this because of some of the materials that are put into some of the you know the traditional soups as Eric mentioned all the different additives that put in and the, and the higher level of sodium that you know that is just not resonating with a lot of consumers right now but every once in a while people like to have that guilty pleasure even i i think millennials at, at point like to have that guilty pleasure it's not necessarily that the soup is that guilty pleasure? It's not necessarily associated with that. It could be some of the other things that maybe Campbell's is involved with. You mentioned that they have a snack company now. They just did, did a deal with uh, with uh, Snyder Lance to, to acquire that, that company as well. 
Yeah, I mean they they really are trying everything. But I, you know, th- th- there's a sense in which you hope they just get it right on soup, and maybe there is more to learn there about the directions that consumers can potentially go. And I mean, you know, maybe rather than saying to consumers, "Okay, you don't want GMO, well, we won't give you GMO." They could take a more sophisticated stance and say, look, here's what the science is showing about what matters with respect to health. Yes, you don't want way too much salt in your product, but they've gradually declined. They've gradually reduced that yeah. over time and just promise what is what is really there, which is a largely healthful product um, that could potentially help with weight management. Um, I think they could be more proactive in that in that health storytelling than they than they currently are rather than just uh, giving into consumer whims Eric you know the Millennials are a funny market I mean you you live with them at Wharton I, I live with them out here in Michigan um, they're very picky about uh, I, I'll say that differently they they're very selective about the categories in which they're concerned about health. Yeah. So they will buy a very expensive coffee from a very expensive coffee place. We have one in our lobby here at the business school, and it's full of sugar. It can be up to one-third of their daily calorie intake or what should be their recommended daily calorie intake, and it's all sugar, and they love it, and they spend a lot of money on it. GMOs, for which the evidence, the scientific evidence is, there isn't evidence that it hurts you, they're very picky about that. So I I think you want to tune in, if you're Campbell's, to the millennials in a very nuanced way, and I think you can produce soup. So... Um, um, you know, Jason's right. I, I was looking at some Euromonitor data um, last year, 2017. Soups as a whole in the U.S. were down 2% in retail volume, but not all soups. The chilled soup category was up. So I, I think there is a lot of hope for soup. You know, and I can remember ads for Campbell's Soup that said that soup is good food. Um, yeah. You know, if they pick up Jason's cue and go back to that, I I, I think soup can be fun because I I, I personally eat a lot of soup. I eat a lot of the newer, spicier soups. Um, They're very tasty. Uh, They appeal to millennials' tastes for, you know, more ethnic, spicy, interesting food rather than, you know, simple chicken noodle soup. I, I don't think soup is a dead category. I don't think soup has to be a dead category. But I think Campbell's and the other soup makers have to be smarter about making the category a great category. Yeah. And, you know, one of the ways that they might do that is finding ways to be more explicit about which particular diets their soups fit. Sure. So there was yeah. a recent study that came out just the last couple of weeks by IFIC, um, International Food Information Council, I think. And one of the details that was picked up there by Sophia Egan, a Washington Post reporter, was that um, some, there's a huge increase in the percentage of people who are now eating what they claim to be a specific diet, whether it's a version of low carb or paleo or intermittent fasting. That went up in one year or two years from 14% to something like 36%. Now, some of that is the way that they measure it, but some of it probably is a real trend. 
So, and that, that, that was particularly strong among younger generations. So we have a generation of people who are thinking of themselves as eating in a very specific way. Sometimes it's ingredient sensitive. Other times yeah. it's more broad than that. But if your marketing strategy from product development to communication does not fit in with those ways that people describe themselves as, as eating and constraining their food – and you're probably going to miss a bunch of opportunities. Well, and the other opp- uh, other thing to bring up, Eric, is that seemingly we have a, a society here in the U.S. at least where we are more and more on the run than ever before. I think of it myself, you know, specifically, you know, doing this show, but also my three kids and and the sport teams that that I got to get them to. And and a lot of people have that a version of that story right now. And you would think that that soup ends up being potentially a key component in making life easier for the, the consumer that bounces around a lot. And so it, it kind of goes back to something you both have said, that you got to get it right. If you, can, if you can really tailor it to the need of the consumer, then you're going to do okay. So here's something weird. I, I often have soup for breakfast. It rehydrates me after, you know, going all night. Huh. Um, it tastes good. It wakes me up. And I can make it, as you said, Dan, I, I can make it very quickly. I put yep. it into a paper cup. Uh, I've now switched to a, a mug, but I, I had to find a mug, a, a big microwavable mug. Stick it in the microwave. Um, in the Michigan winters, it's very warm. Um, I get a more refreshing kind of soup in the summer. I put it in my car. I get in my car. I drive to work. And at the at the traffic lights, at the traffic lights, want to make this clear. Only at the traffic <laughs> lights, I stop, and I and I and I sip my soup. You know, it's actually a convenience food. I'm guessing, by the way, uh, Eric, that that uh, that mug that you have does not have the Ohio State logo on it. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, no, not fond of not fond of the school uh, down south. Right, exactly. I'm a Michigan alum, and yeah, if you want to make it product toxic, that would do it. <laughs> Go ahead, Jason. I'm sorry. No, I'm not going to continue bashing okay. Ohio State. No, no, no. But no thanks, but, for the, but, but, thanks for the invitation. No, but again, the, I mean, when you're talking about you know being able to reach the consumer, especially as we are bouncing around even more and more, this is a way to to, to have a big win yeah. if you can get it right. Yeah, I mean, the switch to the breakfast category w- would be an opportunity. It's just it's hard to do. It's really hard to change people's habits like that. I, I actually do the same thing, Eric. I often have soup for breakfast. Uh, it, you know, it's also very satiating. Um, and they've tried with their products to to make that happen. The the soup in, I can't remember what they call it, but it comes in one of those cups that you can actually walk with. You don't have to right. pour it into uh, into a Michigan mug. You can keep it in its original in its original packaging, the way they've designed it. But um, you, they've tried. They just haven't been able to make it stick with consumers. You both mentioned the fact that soup is, is really maybe not something that, that would lend itself to being in the kind of the meal kit formula that we're seeing right there. So, I mean, that really kind of opens the door, or I should say maybe closes one door in terms of the potential of what Campbell's could actually do in the future. But the other question is whether or not Campbell's even if they considered this as an option, would they want to go down that type of a road to, to get into their own type of, of meal kit business? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think most people are not going to see soup as a as a complete meal. It's, it goes with the rest of the meal. So maybe they can work on finding ways to have it complement meal kits that other companies are doing without going full-blown into the whole meal kit business themselves. Eric? You know, I, I think, you know, single-pack 
soups that you can toss into a microwave. I mean, it's also a great afternoon snack. I, yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of creative ideas that soup fits into. But you, you, have to, you have to be very clever on the branding and positioning and the promotion because, um, as Jason said, you, you know, you're trying to get people to see soup in a different way. You're trying to get people to use soup, a different so-called use case for soup, um, as opposed to just you know, lunch for your kids on Saturday. Uh, and when you try to get people into different perceptions, different use cases, you have to be very clever. You have to know exactly how to promote it, and you have to be consistent in the promotion. You can't, you can't promote it for 90 days and expect people to change. You, you, have, to, you have to really you know, put people under siege to get them to, get them to change. And, and I think that's where Campbell has, has not done well. I, I think when it comes to ideas, uh, interesting ideas, uh, ideas that are in themselves probably pretty good, I think Campbell's under, you know, the former CEO Morrison did pretty well. They were pretty good on running experiments. They were willing to run experiments. Um, but I, I don't think they were they certainly weren't great on the back end execution. Their, their costs are way out of line. But even on the marketing side, I, I don't think they came up with persistent, effective campaigns to change the way people perceive some of their soups, which, again, I, I, I think they're well, yes, line of soup checks all the boxes. And yet it's a teeny tiny number on the income statement. So then do you think then potentially, and obviously this is you know a little bit of supposition here, that, that, that Campbell's Soup could be a, an acquisition target of somebody, like maybe a Kraft Heinz? You know, with Kraft Heinz, uh, you know, it would be sort of a different approach. With Kraft Heinz, it'll be, you know, we will take a lot of costs out and make yeah. it a kind of a low-cost provider. So, you know, one thing you might see is a you could see a split where the red what I call the sure. red and white label yeah. stuff goes to somebody like a Kraft Heinz, and the boat boat house and the the other things go somewhere else. Right. Somebody with uh, a little bit more marketing savvy. Great to have you with us, Eric. Thank you very much for joining us on the phone, Jason. Great seeing you again. Thank you both. Thank you. My pleasure. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.